Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to talk about some players who I think are going to continue to trend up throughout the season. And I think it would be advantageous for you guys to go out and acquire these players. So every week I, you know, talk about my buy low players. And this is just a little bit different because these are trade targets, but my buy low players are guys who, you know, are coming off of, you know, kind of poor performances. So you're buying them low off of one bad game. These players haven't necessarily been playing poorly. It's just that I think their production is going to skyrocket, you know, throughout the rest of the season. So maybe they've done, you know, okay or mediocre in weeks run through seven. But I think these players have league winning potential for the price you can acquire them at right now. While you guys are watching this, if you're enjoying the content, please just hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and then you can ask me any fantasy questions down below and I'll respond to every single person. But the first player I'm going to talk about today is actually someone that I talked about in my buy low video. And I even mentioned in that video that he wasn't necessarily a buy low. But before I talk about Leonard Fournette, I kind of just want to talk about the overall running back landscape for fantasy football. And the way I see it, it seems like it's almost impossible to try to acquire some of these top tier high end RB1s, you know, your Derrick Henrys, Kamara, Cook, even guys like Eckler, Zeke. DeAndre Swift and Najee Harris, you would have to pay so much to acquire these guys that you'd basically be blowing up your entire team and you'd have to give up at least two, maybe even three meaningful pieces on your roster. And then you also have some other top running backs like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon who are injured. You have guys like Kareem Hunt and David Montgomery who are probably in that like second or third tier, but they are also injured. And these may be guys that you're relying upon. So you may be in need of a running back but I think it's very important that if you're trading for a running back right now, you want to acquire one who is trending upwards because you're not going to have to pay that huge premium. And in my opinion, Fournette is probably the number one candidate because if you're just looking at his overall production, he is currently the RB16 in points per game. That's PPR scoring. But you have to remember his numbers are very skewed from early in the season. I basically split up his production into two kind of splits. The first one is the first three weeks of the season. And in that stretch, he was basically in a timeshare with Ronald Jones and Giovanni Bernard. He was averaging eight carries per game, and that translated to 9.6 PPR points per game. And then you look at week four, which is when he really broke out and took over as the RB1 for the Bucks. In that stretch, he's now averaging 17.3 carries per game, 116.5 scrimmage yards per game. That is crazy. And then 21.4 points per game. And despite the slow start, you know, in the first few weeks where he wasn't the number one, he is still very close to the top of basically all the important categories for running backs. He's 10th in the NFL in carries, 5th in targets, 4th in red zone touches, and 4th in goal line carries. So he's getting the high quality touches. Those are targets and those are red zone looks. And those are quality red zone looks on that Buccaneers offense because they are getting into the end zone a significant amount. And I truly believe that Leonard Fournette has top five upside for the rest of the season. But right now, you may be able to acquire him for like a high-end RB2 price tag. And if you can do that, I think you got to go out and acquire Leonard Fournette. I know in all my leagues, I am sending out offers all over the place for Lenny. The next running back I want to talk about is Javante Williams. And he's another running back who I think is trending upwards. He's nowhere close to Leonard Fournette, you know, in terms of his season-long potential, but he's definitely someone who's going to be a much cheaper option. 
And I'm someone who did not like Javante Williams coming into the season. I feel like I had a pretty good read on him because looking at this Broncos backfield, I just knew it was going to be a locked in committee between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And I understood the argument that, you know, Javante Williams had long-term potential, you know, to be the RB1 of this backfield, but I wasn't trying to spend like a fifth or sixth round pick on Javante Williams if he wasn't going to be useful, you know, until the second half of the season. I'd much rather just punt on him in drafts and then try to acquire him now after he's kind of underperformed. We've seen in years past that it can kind of take these rookie running backs a little bit of time to truly take over as the number one in their backfield. I mean, even looking back at last season, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, all those guys were looking like super disappointing fantasy picks until they broke out towards the end of the season. And so right now, I'm guessing whoever drafted Javante Williams is probably feeling pretty frustrated with his production. Like I mentioned, he was going as like a fifth or sixth round pick, and he is not even close to living up to that draft price. He is currently the RB31 in points per game. And so far, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are almost identical in their usage. Gordon's snap share is slightly higher. You know, basically every game, Gordon is in like the mid to high 50%. Javante Williams is in the mid to low 40%. But when you're looking at the touches, Melvin Gordon has nine more carries on the season. Williams has three more targets and five more receptions. So the usage is just very, very similar. But actually, Javante Williams has been more effective on a per-touch basis. He's averaging 3.92 yards created per touch, which is actually seventh in the NFL, compared to Melvin Gordon, who's only averaging 2.91, that is 27th. And when we're looking at the future of this Broncos team, Javante Williams is the RB1, you know, for the next three years to potentially much longer than that. They went out, they spent the high draft capital to bring him in, and Melvin Gordon is on the final year of his contract, Right now, it definitely doesn't look like the Broncos are going to be Super Bowl contenders, so they're not in a desperate, you know, win now mode. And so I would expect as the season continues to progress, they're going to give Javante Williams more and more work moving forward. And I think by the time we're getting to potentially the fantasy playoffs, Javante Williams could be a suitable RB2 option because they're going to want to see what they have, you know, out of their running back of the future. But now let's shift over to the wide receiver position. We're going to be talking about Keenan Allen. I was very high on Keenan Allen coming into the season. Obviously, the breakout of Mike Williams has definitely kind of capped Keenan Allen's ceiling so far this season. But don't get me wrong, Keenan Allen definitely hasn't been bad this season. He's been very solid. You know, he's been good. He just hasn't had that, you know, wide receiver one production that I think a lot of people were relying on. He's currently the wide receiver 24 in points per game, averaging 14.5 PPR points per game. And this may seem like a low number, but in actuality, it really just comes down to the touchdowns. Keenan Allen has only been able to get into the end zone once this season. Every wide receiver in the top 18 in points per game has scored at least three touchdowns. So Keenan is bound to have some positive touchdown luck. He's likely to go on a run fairly soon because it's not like he's just not being targeted you know, near the goal line. Right now, he is eighth among wide receivers with 10 red zone targets. And that's with him already having a bye week. So that number would be even higher. And so far to start off the season, he's still receiving really solid volume, 9.7 targets per game. And this is on a pass heavy team. The Chargers have attempted the third most pass attempts per game. So I really think Keenan Allen's going to peak, you know, throughout the rest of the season. 
and you're going to be able to acquire him probably for like a mid-tier wide receiver two price just because he has been unlucky getting into the end zone. I'm not concerned about this offense. They're going to continue to put up a lot of points and Keenan Allen is definitely going to turn it around. The other wide receiver I'm going to talk about is Chase Claypool. And honestly, this all comes down to Juju Smith being out for the season. This is huge for Chase Claypool's fantasy value. And I don't think this is being talked about enough. And it's likely because Juju wasn't putting up, you know, these huge numbers. If you're looking at Juju's overall production, you're saying, you know, he's not leaving that much on the table for Chase Claypool. But what he was taking away was the opportunity to be targeted and the opportunity to run routes. Because in Juju's three full healthy games, he had a snap share of over 90% in all three of those matchups. With Juju out in week six, Claypool had an 84% snap share. So once Juju was out of the lineup, Claypool's snaps just absolutely skyrocketed. And so right now, Claypool is the wide receiver 33 in points per game. He's averaging 13.2 points per game. But similar to Keenan Allen, this number is mainly due to his lack of touchdowns. As a rookie, Claypool got into the end zone 11 times, which was fantastic. You know, he established himself as a red zone threat. They really were trying to feed him the ball because he is a playmaker. But so far in here in 2021, he has only scored one time. And that's really what has just been holding him back. And even though Chase Claypool has been operating as the wide receiver three for the majority of the season, you know, he had that role up until week six. And then there was one game, I think it was week three, where Deontay Johnson was out. The other four games, he was the wide receiver three in that offense. He's still averaging 8.4 targets per game. That number definitely could go up, you know, as we see more and more games without Juju Smith in the lineup. So I am expecting a huge second half out of Claypool. He could very easily go on a stretch, you know, where he puts up like six touchdowns in eight games, and then his production is just going to skyrocket. So go out and buy low on Chase Claypool if you can. He's coming off a buy, and then the week before that, he really didn't do anything. So I really think his value is probably going to be as low as it ever is going to be. And then let's talk about the fifth and final player that is trending upwards and I want to target, and that is going to be Darren Waller. And I've kind of seen some people in the fantasy community kind of start to fade on Darren Waller as the tight end two. It seemed like, you know, all off season, it was pretty consensus. Kelsey's the number one, Waller's the number two. Now I've seen some people kind of pushing Mark Andrews. You've got the Kyle Pitts supporters out there. But for me, Darren Waller is still my number two tight end. Right now, he is the tight end six in points per game, averaging 13.8. But this has been a common theme for all of these pass catchers that I talked about, just the lack of touchdowns. Right now, Waller has two touchdowns on the season. But the thing is, his touchdown production just has not matched the opportunity he has received. Out of all the NFL's tight ends, Darren Waller is number one in route participation, number two in targets, number one in target share, number two in deep targets, and number three in red zone targets. So he's, you know, the top of the top of basically every single category you want to see. And typically it's been very tough to acquire these top tier tight ends because you kind of only have a couple and the rest of the tight ends are just poor. So far, we've actually seen a fair amount of overachieving tight ends. And so I think people may think that kind of limits Darren Waller's value. And so I would look to target him as soon as possible. He has a buy this week which may push people to move him, you know, even more than they normally would. Because I think, you know, with the targets he's received, he's gotten the high quality looks. He's had a little bit of a problem with drops, but that's very uncharacteristic for him. So I'm not really going to read that much into it. But I really think you should go out, acquire him now, 
get a top tier tight end on your team before he just goes out and absolutely explodes down the stretch. But that is going to wrap it up for five players that I'd be targeting long-term who I think can be league winners. If you guys enjoyed this content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, ask me anything down below. But thank you guys for stopping by. Tomorrow, I'm gonna be putting out players who I think are trending down and guys that you should probably get off of your roster. So look out for that. But thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time.